Welcome to Espionage and a podcast bringing realism to the world of espionage. This is the second and concluding part of a freewheeling conversation with an experienced intelligence professional. It's a good thing we arrived at Iran's example because one of the questions uh, I wanted to ask is how different is the job of a spy in a democracy versus in an authoritarian state? For example, who would have had an easier job during the Cold War, MI6 or KGB? Well, the Cold War uh I have a very different opinion as far as the usage of Cold War related examples in today's uh intelligence information gathering uh scenario. Um since 1945 to 1991 uh till the disintegration of soviet union uh the cold war it's a pretty long period okay a lot of possibilities a lot of technology whatever technological advancements which have taken place even if we are utilizing certain uh equipment even consumer electronics today it has its genesis during the cold war to come back to a question that democracy versus an authoritarian this thing obviously the most difficult will always be to operate and to gather information from countries like soviet union in those days okay. or for that matter it would be very very difficult because there is no freedom there is no press mm-hmm. there are no rights and uh, the secret police is everywhere and uh, there is so much of snooping and there is so much of surveillance the citizens did not have any rights so sure. at the same time uh, if i say so that was it easy for uh, the soviet spies to enter us or uk and to mm-hmm. stay there and to cultivate other this thing It is a classic example that you, even if you read about uh, those days today, right? US and UK had a very very uh, sizable number of individuals who were uh, subscribing to the communist ideology, and they have been helping uh, these individuals for a very long period of time. uh but was it easy in fact what happens is when you are looking at a democracy a democratic setup will be always advanced in terms of technology in terms of legal uh, rights in terms of laws against espionage uh, because the communist uh, or countries or authoritarian countries will just have only one rule if it if at all we catch anybody we are going to kill so the details never come out but as far as the democracy is concerned everybody is accountable everybody is answerable for example the us in the us the intelligence community has always been answerable to the congressional hearings and to these committees so the advantage of democracy was that that whenever one spy used to be who used to be arrested with a lot of research and investigation later a lot of details and a lot of chains were always out 
But in the case of Soviet Union, let us say there are 10 people uh, pushed by the United States of America to operate in Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. And if one one has not communicated since yesterday morning, the entire nine of them used to just go underground and uh, stay silent for maybe years. And the citizens would also not come to know about it, that what exactly has happened. So uh, there are advantages and disadvantages uh, of both the areas. But yes, uh, the one of the most dangerous areas would be those areas today, uh, which are governed uh, by maybe Sharia law, mm -hmm. wherein it has got no relevance to the country from where you come. The country from where the Western uh, officers come in, and it is entirely alien. So, the law of the land, whatever it is, has to be respected, mm -hmm. and uh, activities become much more difficult because uh, activities attract uh, very severe punishments in those particular countries. Fair enough. And speaking of the Cold War again, and I, I know this is something we have spoken about earlier. Are defections as relevant and common today as they were during the Cold War? If we take the case of Rabinder Singh, he was exfiltrated to the United States, but uh, within weeks he found himself cut loose by the CIA. They didn't do pretty much any anything that they promised him. He did not become director of a think tank or get employed by it. They even opposed his uh, petition for uh, asylum. So, I mean, I, I've looked at his appeal in the Ninth Circuit Court in the US. And of course, there's a, there's a short article on that also on my Substack. But on a more general note, are defections as relevant and common today? Defections are not at all common or relevant today at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, defection is an entirely Western terminology, okay. uh, which has got no connection uh, to us as Indians. Mm -hmm. uh, I will come back to this uh, specific case that you talked about. So, in in during the cold, see whatever intelligence literature which has been written down is uh, more than ninety percent of it is manufactured uh, by the West. And out of that, more than 95% of it will be uh, due, written during the Cold War. Right. So, uh, it's been numerous years uh, that the Cold War is has ended. Uh, defections were for very specific purposes. For example, uh, there was no technology, there was no internet. The first directorate of Soviet Union was tasked with... Uh, infiltrating uh, United States of America, uh, staying there in the garb of a journalist, working for various uh, magazines, newspapers, and then collaborating with the uh, Soviet diplomats who were there in US that time, off and on, and then carrying out specific espionage activities. Now, if at all an individual was working in uh, Moscow in the first directorate and he has got a list of those individuals who have infiltrated the US system. It's very important for us to 
start of researching that who were actually those people and what exactly was uh, did they sit on as far as information is concerned and it was a gold mine when they defected and the reason the majority of them who defected in fact all of them they defected because they had stopped liking or stopped subscribing to the idea of the government in uh, the erstwhile soviet union the way of life they wanted mm-hmm. a wonderful life for their kids right they were not interested in money so as to say but they so, had seen oh. the, the the abuse of power that they have been doing the government so these these are uh, soviet citizens uh, we are talking about uh, kgb officers who defected to the us right exactly 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 we are we are we are we are specifically talking about kgb officers and uh, there are many major general oleg kalugin is one of the pioneers who worked in the first directorate and uh, he was heading it and then defected to the united states of america the kind of information that he provided uh, saved america so much of time to launch counter intelligence operations in the united states of america that it right. was just unbelievable the kind of information that he uh, provided now mm-hmm. when we look at 2020 uh, there are no countries which are having this kind of a uh, standoff with the other set of countries so defection is of no use today yes there will be one odd situation wherein uh, related to a very uh, important very big case somebody uh, from uh, from russia is wanting to uh, uh, you know defect to uk mm-hmm. to give information about targeting specific uh, ex kgb people or some specific well known people in in london by the right. use of uh, some some chemicals for assassination that information is very important and the person wants to rehabilitate res- resettle in uk but these are very less cases very 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 few of them uh, and i don't think so according to me i may be wrong but according to me defection is uh, now edward snowden i don't call it as defection at all it is not defection at all he was not uh, working as an intelligence officer um if you look at the basic motivation factor for edward snowden uh, was he was he just had enough of uh, the secret nsa programs which were being run and uh, he was quite agitated internally and he wanted to uh, end whatever was going on and any country during that particular point of time mm-hmm. uh, who would have supported him he would have was uh, settled in that country because it was important for him to hide and it was important for him to expose those details uh, it is a matter of debate whether whatever he uh, has shared and definitely he must have shared it with the uh, russian government without which uh, they would not have allowed him to uh, survive or to right. live 
in in the uh, russia today i am not uh, very sure that how much of that thing was useful to the okay. russians because to be very honest countries do gather information about each other mm-hmm. friendly countries also keep gathering information about each other right there is a constant uh, effort and the files are created mm-hmm. and because uh, countries do not want the intelligence agencies do not want to dig a well when 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 they are thirsty mm-hmm. they want to make an arrangement and there are uh, millions and millions of dollars spent on these information gathering operations uh, most most of the information is never used also it can never be utilized i mean it is there like for example you are uh, going to a country and uh, you make friends and the friends keep on telling you about a lot of things of, of that particular country how do you utilize that information you don't but you have that information you have, sp- you have spent time with the friend and you have paid the bill in the restaurant and the person has been talking about a lot of things about his government but that information is not of any use to you but it is still there with you fair point so uh, let me get to the last two questions for this particular podcast and uh, how pissed off do you get when you hear the word intelligence failure every few months in the media i believe that uh, i look at it this way uh, um, intelligence as a as a word is utilized for two two reasons one is the intelligence of the human being that the brain and another is related to the outfit and the agencies which operate uh, whenever any journalist writes about intelligence failure i look at the intelligence failure of the journalist's brain <laughs> uh because so many agencies so many people uh, are working and they are they are really really professional people and uh, india is so lucky to have such upright and such amazing people working in the agencies because if you look at the length and breadth of india everything changes after a half few hundred kilometers uh and and in that entire thing uh, i think agencies have been fairly uh, successful in thwarting uh, so many things mm-hmm. uh, we know so many things which could have happened but uh, did not happen because somebody was doing a good job yeah you guys never get to talk about your successes because that's not the game that's not the game and at the same time uh, when anything happens let us say there is a terrorist attack happening or, or whatever or these small incidents which take place uh, we should also give it to the uh, adversary Mm-hmm. every time it is not correct to always say that you know we are the best and uh, somebody can be best at times unfortunately somebody this it's a situational discussion i mean uh, whenever people write about intelligence agencies i feel good and at the same time i feel bad good because they need to be shrouded in secrecy bad because i uh, pity the intelligence level of the journalists who write those things because they only equate intelligence agencies with uh, terrorist attacks there are innumerable activities of intelligence agencies to safeguard the interest of the country outside right. the country 
to safeguard our integral uh, legal system for example the way uh, visas are given to uh, individuals coming from certain specific nations uh, the agencies need to be on their toes to see to it to work continuously to see to it that what all is the due diligence what what needs to be done nobody okay. talks of uh, these activities of the agencies there are verification duties there are uh, duties to protect the vvips of this splendid country uh, there are uh, so many things so many things which the agency does uh, right. i fail to understand that nobody from the uh, press or nobody from the uh, media is interested in knowing or even reading i understand that the literature related to indian intelligence agencies is, is absolutely zero uh, most of the things that you get it are memoirs uh, written by individuals or somebody else writes somebody about somebody else and uh, these are all just uh, recollections from uh, 40 50 years old stories uh, but we need to work hard towards making our own academic a uh, pool and academic uh, literature as far as intelligence is concerned i remember during my post graduation when i was doing a specialization i went to the library and i was looking for intelligence related books and i found one book which was published in 1930s by alan dules who was the first uh, director of cia and uh, he has approached uh, intelligence in a very very academic way by by creating definitions of terms by uh, putting in legal uh, points in it by uh, you know, making it more uh, readable making it more relatable with examples from the civil world and amazing work that he has done unfortunately mm -hmm. unfortunately mm -hmm. most of the things that he has written are related to western uh, uh, countries or for that matter the american culture not even a single officer not even a single officer of the uh, indian government i would not say the officer because people are in employment they are under oath and then there are so many legal hassles and people are just not interested uh, let's keep away from that topic but academicians who can research who can do projects they are just not interested in doing anything like this in 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 india unless and until we do not have an academic base for example somebody goes to uh, uh, an engineering college and later on the person gets a, gets a job offer from uh, name any company let us say from the tatas there is as far as the engineer is concerned there is an academic uh, background to that particular qualification there is a college that teaches you four years of engineering there is a there is a syllabus and there is a portion unfortunately such a huge country we have directly the advanced version of what needs to be there so what is the requirement the requirement is security studies mm -hmm. being introduced as a small subject very tiny subject in schools later later on increasing it a little bit in terms of uh, your seriousness and the uh, 
number of books you can say or the portion of the syllabus increasing it qualitatively in the college days and right. during the college days making it a specialization and then making it a post graduation unless and until we do not have this particular thing we will hear about certain amazing uh, things like intelligence failure because people do not understand and uh, it is not their fault also people have not written about it the only individual who has gone to an extent of uh, uh, writing something from the academic point of view uh, is only one writer in this country to whom we lost in the year uh, 2014-15 and he is mr malloy krishnadar after that nobody before that nobody so that is what we are at by reading and by reading certain spy novels and spy espionage stories and all uh, we need to be serious about it it's a serious game it has got a lot of flavor of laws um, uh, the legal structure of the country it has got a very very big responsibility as far as the society as a whole is concerned uh, it is a multidisciplinary uh, profession and the only multidisciplinary and the most sensitive profession which has got no academic base in india 60 to 70 years ago we have yeah. uh, these studies happening in king's college london and mm. 80 years ago in georgetown washington university so that's my point we don't yes. have anything uh, comparable to those two institutions over here not even comparable we don't have uh, we don't even have people from those colleges who are working in india and one point i'm sorry i forgot to mention mm-hmm. what i said sometime back what we have is the advanced version so in just 30 seconds i will tell you what is that advanced version So you have Georgetown Washington University which introduces people at the age of 22 to 24 25 to have a post graduation and a graduation in security studies and after that they do a research then they yeah. get deputed to the United Nations or for that matter the foreign service of uh, United States of America or for that matter the homeland security department or whatever and over a period of time these people grow they work very hard uh, so as to say they get their own more degrees from other colleges and all and over a period of time after a few years of experience they enter something called as a think tank yes now now every think tank has got a theme some think tanks work on environment some think tanks work on disarmament some think tanks work on um, uh, intelligence studies or security studies right and these think tanks in that particular country that we are talking about they get they get specific funds from the government to work yes. on specific problem statements and right. they work on those problem statements and then they go back and they give them solutions now in india let's come back to india what happens in india now that is the advanced stage of defense studies analysis security studies and all now what happens in india india we are directly at the advanced stage anybody mm-hmm. anyone retiring from the bureaucracy anyone retiring from the armed forces irrespective of the educational background irrespective of the performance in the service irrespective of uh, every other aspect whichever city those retired individuals settle down they all come together and they form a think tank okay 
does any any government body acknowledge their efforts they keep on writing letters and the government keeps on writing replies to them then these people collect these replies put them on a frame put them in an exhibition and they start doing book publication programs they start calling people from delhi for various uh, seminars and conferences and then it it just works like a event management company you can't see it right now but i've got a big grin on my face so you you so you bring a speaker from delhi who is a part of uh, the nscs or uh, whatever is the thing in delhi mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. person travels at the expense of the think tank to pune the yes. person is now now giving a presentation which is so outdated and so boring and there are retired people who have no other place to go than to take an auto rickshaw and then tell their or for that matter tell the driver and to go and sit there and then they bask in the glory of the past and they talk about certain things this is pure this is not wrong i am saying this is okay this is nice but this is not a think tank think tanks in india there there are no think tanks in india first of all number 1 number 2 all these types of locations of uh, things areas that i'm talking about mm-hmm. in mumbai pune dehradun uh, delhi these are august gatherings these are event management companies so as to say and that is what is because they have the funds they have come together they do not give space to youngsters because india feels that to talk about national security you have to have served the indian armed forces yeah that 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 becomes apparent yes i have got very different views about this entire thing not to insult anybody but it is an irrelevant statement and unless and until we don't our elders who retire from various services they don't give way to the youngsters to come in and to put in their views yes you can have a qualification for the youngsters to enter your think tank let them complete defense and strategic studies courses let them do their post graduation outside india let them write a written test use you can guide you are a senior individual who has spent 30 34 years maybe in the armed forces uh, we respect you you come in you conduct the interview but don't don't come to the think tank office because you do not have any other office to go to that's what is uh, dangerous and oldies will always be respected as far as indian culture is concerned but they need to understand that they need to relax now whatever they have done was an excellent service to the nation now the things are changing how is it possible that diplomats who retired from the service when in the in the year 1999 and 2000 or diplomats bureaucrats the internet came to india in the year 1999 or right. 1998 if the person has retired in the year 1999 2000 how can a person become a cyber security cyber defense expert in the year 
when you yourself did not have the email for the first 10 years in the existence of internet in india so these senior individuals are utilized for liaison activities for heading the boards of various companies so that the government contracts are awarded and so on and so forth so we have not even touched the topic of corruption and mm-hmm. touched the topic of how this organized corruption and white collar corruption takes place in india i have got my fair share of investigations on those we can discuss that thing maybe, maybe. on some other specific podcast yeah we we should have one entire podcast devoted just to that i don't think it will be sufficient but been there done that there are various methodologies and innovative methodologies which are there in the indian society as mm-hmm. far as corruption is concerned the art galleries art galleries are number one source of corruption and washing money we got a glimpse of that when we saw a certain politicians paintings uh, sell for crores of rupees and if you, you take one look at those paintings and you know they're not worth it yeah so so that's the that's the epitome that's like the um uh, uh you know mercedes benz of the entire lot okay right. as far as the example is concerned but somebody who has been getting cash on a daily basis is somebody who is always interested by the bureaucrats always interested by the corrupt officials so if at all i have a if i am an artist and i can paint certain things and people can from a distance look out that okay that's the nose and that's the head and those <laughs> are the two hands and so what they do is they they, they identify these uh, art galleries and if my motive is to launder let us say uh, 50 crores i just go there i set up my painting uh, people come in there and people yeah. said oh wow what a thought this orange color is an inspiration and it it, it resembles sun how much is this for so i say it is for 2 crores okay right. they write a check to me i get it onto my account i pay my taxes after that what i do with that money is something which is my responsibility and nobody mm-hmm. can touch me the way i am right. spending that money so then what i do is i take that money i withdraw it in cash in various uh, during various uh, intervals i take or or for that matter i i take a debit card of that particular account and i mm-hmm. give it to the bureaucrat who had done some favor on to that company who mm-hmm. wanted that that bureaucrat to be paid let us say one and a half crores but they don't have cash so they come and pay it to me wow and i give them the debit card so that their wife that that individual's wife can just spend money the way she wants oh wow nobody talks of these things because we are engaged only in reading substandard newspapers with planted news in it and we are just one of those lots who are interested in knowing what the local politician is up to and what is the national politician doing today where is he going today and so on and so forth that is our life unfortunately yeah, this is this has been a brilliant uh, conversation up until this point uh, honestly i did not expect it to uh, go in the directions that it did and i'm glad that it did <laughs> let me 
put one final question to you and uh, it's it's kind of tongue in cheek i understand if you don't want to get into specifics but if you were tasked with recruiting say pakistan's federal minister for science and technology fawad choudhry who is also known as gappu uh, how would you go about doing that i would first request you to change the country and to change the person's name because mm-hmm. uh, uh first of all um, to gain information uh, is a very serious uh, uh, profession yes. and there is a lot of money put and efforts put and risk taken to gain information and uh, an advanced country does not gain information about a country which is always on a begging mode <laughs> at the same time uh, the individuals name that you just took uh, even if we are able to do that you know we'll get into the specifics later but even if we are able to do that we are, we know that there is nothing there <laughs> there is nothing there i mean Uh, a shop which has got a very shiny shutter on the front and on the back side uh, uh, it is all broken and there there are only two broken walls and the shop does not exist on the back side why would we be interested in cutting the shutter <laughs> i i think that's that's an excellent excellent point to end the conversation thank you so much for uh, joining this podcast it has been an absolute pleasure and i hope we can do this again sometime because i really want to get into that uh, conversation about uh, art houses uh, art galleries and money laundering as well uh, most most welcome anytime we can do this uh, and uh, let me thank you for giving me this opportunity to um speak my heart out but at the same time uh, we need to have more such meaningful conversations which really uh, people can understand um indian programs and indian podcasts and indian lectures and the think tanks the way they talk uh, to be very honest i don't understand most of it because uh, a lot of irrelevant things are discussed so Yeah. Uh, you're doing a good job and i wish you uh, best of luck and uh, i hope i hope that this creates a different movement one fine day uh, uh, wherein people are interested in answering specific questions rather than uh, using unbelievable shashi tharoor type english thing <laughs> against the person but we need to ask specific questions when we are taxpayers thank you so much that's it for this episode of espionage and to read about other real life cases of espionage visit espionage.substack.com